driving between the raindrops. When I left, I, I live in Pleasant Hill, which is up uh, around Concord, Walnut Creek area. And when I left this morning, it was, the sun was shining. You know, I, I could see the clouds. And I'm driving down 680, and the sun is starting to blind me, and I'm shifting between which pairs of sunglasses I'm going to put on, which ones are the darker ones, because of the way the sun was, was shining. It was just really beaming right in my face. And then the cloud covered the sun. And it was just intermittent rain, a little bit here, a little bit there. And then I get... I take the turnoff to come into the Monterey Peninsula and the heavens just opened up and I said, okay, God, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> we, can't get, we can't get bodies in the center if it's raining like this. So I'm delighted to see all of you here this morning and it truly is an honor and a pleasure to be back with you. Amber, thank you for your music. Um, and even for, for our opening congregational song, What a Wonderful World, I had um, some flashbacks as I was listening to that, and I go, wow, that could be the talk itself, just, just that song. Yesterday, I had the honor of um, being with one of our um, fellow ministers, Reverend Carolyn Jolly Douglas, who's the minister, senior minister of Center for Spiritual Living Peninsula, which is in Redwood City. And her installation was yesterday in, uh, at a beautiful facility up in San Mateo that sits up on the hill. And as we were leaving, um, headed back towards the East Bay, there was this absolutely gorgeous rainbow that was, that was across the sky. And of course, later I'm going into San Francisco for a different event. And I chosen to drive because of what the weather was like. I could have walked it from BART, but I chose to drive instead. And I'm in the East Bay, and it is pouring down raining. And I'm going, oh my God, if I hadn't paid the amount of money that I paid for these tickets, I would stay home. I would make a U-turn and go home. Midway across the Bay Bridge, it stopped raining. <laughs> and it wound up to be a, a beautiful evening, uh, actually a beautiful uh, performance. I went to see the, the most recent Cirque du Soleil performance in San Francisco, so that... That ignited that little child in me. It brought back a lot of laughter and a lot of joy. And if you've ever been to one of their performances, the, uh, a lot of the, the performers in the production will interact with the audience. And so I had the pleasure yesterday of one of the, one of the performers interacting with me. And uh, it, was, it was just a lot of fun. You know, I have a lot of content this morning. But in the honor and recognition of transparency, Spirit is taking me in a slightly different direction from the content. So some of it will get in here and some of it may not get in here. So for the sake of the recording, <laughs> my talk this morning is Science of Mind and the Solstice. <laughs> and I will begin with a quote from Dr. Ernest Holmes. And he writes, In this moment of time, we're all to make the great decision. It is in this day in which we are now living that we must choose what path we are to follow. Shall we live in fear or shall we live in faith? Shall we live in confusion or in peace that comes from a deep and abiding conviction that there is a power greater than we are, ready, willing, and able to work for us. And then from Joseph Campbell, uh, in The Power of Myth, he writes, 
People say that we're seeking a meaningful life. I don't think that's what we're really thinking, what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive. So that our life experiences on this purely physical plane will have resonance within our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. And that was what I felt yesterday at the Cirque du Soleil performance. I really felt the experience of being alive because of the fun and the excitement and, and the audience was just really participating. It was like there were no cares in the world. And to see families there, to see the children there, the experience of the myth and the magic and the laughter of the production, for me, that is the experience of living, and it's that experience of living in faith. You know, I also, in the sake of transparency, must acknowledge my own ignorance, if you will. I'm just going to call it that. That's, that's the word that's up for me. My ignorance of the solstice. Uh, growing up in, part of my growing up experience was in one of the southern states, Louisiana. And in a rather traditional Christian community and Christian home, there was not an honoring or recognition of our pagan traditions. And so a lot of these things I am learning now as an adult. Um, and I'm just really embracing what it is that I'm learning. Uh, and so as, as I was looking at some notes for this talk and really started looking at what the winter solstice means, I go, wow, I have missed out on this huge opportunity to celebrate another tradition, to honor another faith experience. And I also had a flashback to, um, there's a song that was written, uh, and, and it's about being grateful, be, about being grateful. And there's a, a line in that song that, that says, um, be grateful because there's someone that is worse off than you. And when I really resonated with that recently, I'm going, that is not a reason to celebrate. You know, and, and, and given the tradition that the song was written in, that is not what they're saying. They're saying, you know, there really is somebody, if you, if you look at your current circumstances, right where you are right here and right now, there's somebody that is better off than you based on our material perceptions of life, and there's someone that is worse off than we are. You know, there's someone who always wants to be in your shoes. Or at least that, that is a message that the world of effect gives us. But taking back, taking a couple of steps back and looking at that and looking at, and, and really focusing on those lyrics and go, why would I celebrate somebody's less fortune and only celebrate the good that life has provided for me. If we truly want to have an experience of life and live in faith rather than fear, we celebrate all of life. And we honor the blessings. I honor the blessings that I have been given. And it is my commitment. It is my responsibility. It is my obligation to give back to participate in 
what we know as the, the, the law of giving and receiving. It's the effect of circulation. And I, I love sitting back and just watching how circulation works in my life. How the flow of, of, of giving and receiving, how the flow of abundance works in my life. How when um, something seems like it's, it's not going to materialize, I can let go and I can be in the present moment. And this is something that I'm continually working with. And in fact, I recently had a session with my personal practitioner and I said, you know, I need some grounding. I need some guidance to be in present moment. And what my practitioner shared with me was being in present moment is being aware of everything that is happening right here and right now. And it is not trying to ignore what has happened in the past. And it is not projecting into the future, trying to create a myth or trying to create something in your life that says, oh, from this point, it is only going to be good. I'm only going to have good in my life. And this is what the solstice can be a reminder of. The solstice is that point in time where... The sun, it, let me go back to my notes on this one. The solstice is that time, in, it marks the first day of winter. It starts the moment the northern hemisphere is pointed at its farthest distance from the sun. And somewhere else I read, and it's, it says that the solstice is that point in time where the sun and the moon are in perfect balance in perfect harmony with each other. They're perfect distance from each other. And so the solstice then is that turning point in the year. And its theme is endless birth, new life, death, and rebirth. The time of the solstice is often associated with deity or other legendary figures. And I want to take a moment to talk about um, endless birth, life, death, and rebirth. I received a call a couple of days ago from, um, from one of my daughters letting me know that um, my grand dog, D-O-G, my grand dog, um, is in the process of making his transition. And she said, you know, I, she said, I'm, I was hesitating making this call because I don't want to cry because it's only a dog. And, and I go, no. He's a member of the family. He's been in the family for 14 years. He is the love of our lives. And he's seen us through a lot of stuff. And I remember back when he was, when they first got him as a puppy, he's a pit bull. When they first got him as a puppy, um, there is a vet in Oakland that was renowned for cropping their ears a certain way. You know, they had to have his ears cropped a certain way. And so when they took him to the vet, for some reason they could not, they were not available to pick him up when it was time, when his surgery and everything was over, his discharge. And so we, I picked him up and I just remember this little face, this little beautiful face behind this big cone. And, and I looked in his face because at, at that point I was still working through my own fear of pit bulls because of all of the stuff that you hear about them. And uh, I remember looking into this little face, and I said, remember, 
remember who came and picked you up from that butcher shop that you were in. <laughs> Always remember who came and rescued you. <laughs> and, and, yeah, we've, we, we had that type of a, of, of a relationship. He, and um, so I did go over to, to see him. And um, my daughter and her husband was saying, you know, he's got a new perk in his step. He barked when I came in. They said, he hasn't barked in several months. You know, and he's just been kind of slowly moping. And I was, and I was just thinking about this process of, of death and rebirth. And I've been around people who were making their transition. And there's certain people who come in or there's certain moments where they get this burst of energy. There's this excitement of seeing the individual, seeing someone that is familiar, someone that, that has represented a pivotal point in their life where they've been able to smile and just be lifted out of whatever it was. And I'm going, okay, if I truly believe that there is only one life, and that life is all life, then this animal, or as a dear friend of mine describes him as a little person in a fur coat. <laughs> this little person in a fur coat is no different from the experience that I had uh, when my wife was making her transition, or when I've been around other people who are making their transition, because life represents itself in all forms. In the book, Thou Art That, Joseph Campbell writes, the motif of birth in a cave is also very ancient. This symbol is associated particularly with the winter solstice, when the sun has traveled to its father's point away from the earth and the light is in the nadar of the abyss. That is the date of birth of the god Mithra, who is lord of life. He was born, we recall, that his mother is the earth, holding a rock-hewn weapon in his hand. Mithra was a principal competitor with Christianity, in the period of the first centuries. And I did some reading on my own, and I would just offer to you to take some time to look up some of the myth around Mithra. And the name is spelled M-I-T-H-R-A. Joseph Campbell goes on to write, the cave has always been the scene of initiation, where the birth of the light takes place. Here all is well, all is found based on the whole idea of the cave of the heart, the dark chamber of the heart where the light of the divine first appears. And that's why in our teaching we talk a lot about love, letting love lead the way. We talk about the law, the law which is very impersonal. And the law just takes its direction. It does whatever we direct it to do. And so we're invited to propel love, law into action by love and to let all of our life be based in love. And so the light of love is that light which emerges from the heart and it's out of the abyss and the chaos that we have a deep resonation with this theme that is called life. The winter solstice marks a critical point in the natural cycle. 
In the real sense, the sun begins when its journey towards longer days, times of new growth and renewal of the world begins. In a spiritual sense, it is reminded that in order for a new path to begin, the old one must end so that the spring will come again. And that reminds me of the expression of, of the, yeah, the expression of the definition of insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And so at some point, to move beyond our own insanity, however it is that we define it, we make the choice to do something different in our lives. And that's where we have the tools of the teachings of science of mind, the spiritual principles. Uh, I like to refer to it as our spiritual ATM card. We have our affirmations, our spiritual mind treatment, and our meditation. And we can use them in any order that we choose to use them in. Um, the darkness and the light are bound together because we cannot experience or understand one without the other. They both rely on each other. In fact, there's a song that Ricky Byers wrote, um, and the title is, It All Fades Into God. And in the lyrics to that, uh, she says that the stars need the darkness to shine their light. And I remember when I first heard that song, um, it was our, our senior minister, Reverend Eloise, played it as part of her talk that particular Sunday. And I jumped the line at the bookstore. <laughs> and I said, I have to get this CD. <laughs> I have to get this CD because that, that particular line in that song just really resonated with me. The stars need the darkness to shine their light. And so it is in our lives, those dark moments, those places that we call chaos or despair or sadness or sorrow, whatever it is, those are those moments where the stars in our lives shine the brightest. And it's the opportunity for us to open our eyes and to be aware, to be alert, and to be alive in the Spirit. It's easy quite often to think of the darkness as intrinsically bad. It's easy to get lost or hurt in the dark. However, darkness and light are both places. They are states of being that reveal God. The darkness was a place of unknowing and the sense of ignorance and death that people are delivered from by the light of God's revelation. And one of my favorite go-to resources uh, is The Revealing Word by Charles Fillmore. Uh, and he defines light as the understanding principle in mind. In divine order, it always comes first into consciousness. Light comes into our consciousness first. It is a symbol of wisdom. And when Jesus, the master teacher, said, I am the light of the world, he meant that he was the expressor of truth in all of his aspects. And also, Jesus, we don't talk a lot about Jesus in science of mind. You know, I think Jesus has kind of gotten a bad rap 
with us because a lot of us who come from other religious traditions have been wounded by Jesus and have been wounded by God because of the dogma that was placed on us. So it's like, okay, I'm escaping out of this prison. It's almost like, like leaving home, you know, especially if, if, if you haven't been in a positive environment. I can't wait to get out of here. As soon as I escape from this place, I am going to experience what life is all about. And so we come into religious science, some of us who have had that prior traditional religious background, and we come into this philosophy that is full of light, that is full of hope, that is full of promise, that teaches us, and this is the hard part, it teaches us to take responsibility for our own life. So we can't blame Jesus. We can't blame the devil. We can't blame any other entity because we are responsible for our own lives. And Jesus in his teachings said, these things I do and you can do better. You can do greater. And so the inner light, the illumination of spirit, is that resident at the center of each person's being. And I do want to share this from our Science of Mind textbook, that what Dr. Holmes wrote about life. And I'm reading from page 60, paragraph 3. And he writes, A new light is coming into the world. We are on the borderland of a new experience. The veil between spirit and matter is very thin. And this is that season of the year, especially in the Native American tradition, where we recognize that the veil between this world and the next world is very thin. And there are a lot of souls that travel back and forth. Some choose to stay, some choose to remain, because there are additional work or additional lessons that need to be learned. But the, the veil between spirit and matter is very thin. The invisible passes into visibility through our faith in it. A new science, a new religion, and a new philosophy are rapidly being developed. This is in line with the evolution of the great presence and nothing can hinder its progress. In our science of mind tradition, we know that light is an aspect of the divine. Think back to a time where you may have had a challenge in your life. Didn't you feel that you were in the dark? You know, that dark night of the soul? Was the feeling confused and uncomfortable? Then something happened. Something happened. And suddenly there was a light that came on. In my own personal life, I call it my light bulb experiences. That light illuminates. Some, something sparks from within. And we feel lighter. We're able to breathe. We can see that there is a way out. That the tunnel is not closed on the one end. That the tunnel is actually open. That there, there's, there's, there's hope on the other side. And that light came to us because we did our work. We changed our consciousness. 
And just as candles don't light themselves, someone must light them. And the same is true with our human connection. We need each other to make the darkness bearable and perhaps even comforting. And when we can do that for one another, joy truly does come in the morning. We can use the winter solstice and its message of the coming light to give thanks to the year that's been, to remember loved ones, and to shine the light on the year that is ahead. And I invite you to say this affirmation with me. I will say it first and then I'll invite you to repeat it. I celebrate the return of light in my life every day with joy. And so I return the light of light. I celebrate the return of light. I celebrate the return of light in my life every day with joy. Thank you for your kind presence this morning. God bless you.